Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Believe in SDSU Basketball here on the Believe Podcast Network. It's a place with a show for every team in San Diego and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this episode, uh, we're going to talk about a couple bits of big college basketball news and how that impacts an already pressured NCAA to change the landscape of college basketball. So without further ado, here we go. As always, if you enjoy the show, please rate and subscribe on iTunes. So, typically around this time of year, there is a basketball tournament called the Basketball Tournament, or otherwise known as TBT. And it has, it, or it stars possibly former NBA players, a lot of overseas players, a lot of former college basketball players. And it's essentially just a big tournament. And it, it gets stars around now, right before what would normally be the summer league. And it's just a place for people to showcase their talent. Well, this year, TBT continued on with their tournament and we just got news um, that there's already been three teams testing positive for COVID-19 and had to be uh, had to withdraw from the tournament uh, it's a winner take all one million dollar prize to be split amongst the team and this is definitely concerning uh just because you know the tbt is a very small uh example of what could happen when team sports comes back especially in a basketball setting when we're having a lot more players a lot of people under one stadium and i'm sure that the nba is also keeping their eye out on how these um, tournaments are sort of shaking out it's concerning just because i would imagine that this causes the ncaa to to have to do a double take is it worth bringing back college sports per usual a la the nfl who recently just removed two of their preseason games or is it worth taking a look at an amended season a la the nba and if they are looking at an amended season, how much of it is, um, how much of it really affects them? And I think this just piles on to the already existing pressure for the NCAA because, in my eyes, it just sort of highlights the um, what am I trying to say? It it just highlights the need for the NCAA to, to really understand and take a look at how they're categorizing the student athlete. Because obviously, you know, I'm just hypothetically breaking this down. If if colleges and the NCAA are saying we want basketball and all the players are saying, well, we're concerned about COVID, you know, can we go later? And if there becomes a negotiation of when to start, and ultimately the question gets asked why do you want to start here and, and not later 
I think it's going to be harder and harder to hide the fact that it has a lot to do with money. And if we're saying that the colleges need the players to play for money, well, now all of a sudden it, it doesn't look like a student athlete anymore. It doesn't look like, you know, a lot of these kids are here to take classes. It looks like they're here to play sports to help the schools make money. Then, then becomes sort of a business, right? As opposed to a school. And when it comes to a business, you typically pay somebody a salary, a stipend, or a hourly wage, or whatever you want to call it, and off you go. So I don't know how this, how the NBA, or I'm sorry, how the NCAA is going to respond or adjust their plan according to this. I don't know if they're going to. What I think is going to happen is they're just going to harp on the idea of student athletes and kind of really hone in on that angle to try and avoid the talk of money as much as possible. But I think it's just going to be harder and harder to ignore. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just wish that NCAA would recognize this sooner rather than later. And I don't know why they would rather try to let it go away maybe that's just what they're used to but i think it's important to for the ncaa to just take it head on and say yes we're willing to pay we'll pay under these conditions um you know let's start the negotiation process and go from there i mean you're seeing a lot of nba players now saying that they have to play because of their source of income this is just that's it for them and now you're looking at a lot of these college athletes having an opportunity to make money. It, I imagine it would be difficult for a lot of these kids to have a chance and think that we're one of the youngest uh, demographics, you know, of, of healthy bodies that can survive COVID. And, you know, if this is a means of providing for my family, then this is what I got to do. We're seeing a lot of professional athletes think with that mindset, and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, collegiate athletes would think the same way. So, NCAA, if you're going to ever listen to, to any of these podcasts, you have to just get ahead and just agree and start the conversation. And if you take the initiative and you just put it out there and you admit, you know, what everybody's already aware of, it's going to just make the path a lot more seamless than trying to hide it and play around it and politicize it, which is what's been happening. Because if you don't do that, then there's another angle of news. Um, five-star senior McCurr Maker, uh, brother of Thawmaker, announced his commitment to Howard University last Friday becoming the highest ranked prospect to commit to a historically black college since ESPN started the database back in 2007. This is huge. McCurr had offers from UCLA, Kentucky, Memphis, and ultimately decided to go to a historically black college. And I definitely commend him for his courage and willingness to step up and go to a school that is not typically known to be a basketball powerhouse. Not only that, leave 
what would appear to be surefire tickets to the NBA uh, when you're going to UCLA or join Coach Cal at Kentucky. And I applaud this because it does a few things. One, now you're bringing ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN New, Fox Sports 1 to Howard's campus to televise games. Two, it attracts schools to try and schedule meetings with Howard. And for those who don't know, typically, you know, um, these schedules are planned out two to three years in advance. So, you know, McCurr will, or the schedule is already set up. The schools have already scheduled things with Howard these next couple of years, but you know, it's it's sort of like the story of the guy who, or the first guy who ran the sub four minute mile. Then all of a sudden, you just see like dozens and dozens of people being able to do it. Once you realize it, what's possible, you're just going to get a snowball effect. And I would imagine you're we're going to see more four to five star prospects go to historically black colleges, which then heightens the awareness of a place like Howard. And now they're going to start playing greater talent. You play greater talent, then it'll be easier to recruit more and more talent on your side. And it just keeps going. Um, Secondly, you know, you're seeing it on Twitter and a lot of other social media sites where NBA players are applauding his decision You know, LeBron was saying, I got to go out and check out a game. Now you're just bringing more and more eyes to the school and to the program. And there was already rumblings of a guy like Mikey Williams, who was sort of deemed as the guy of this next class, up and coming generation of, of Hoopers. And McCurr was already, you know, challenging those guys to to join the ranks and I think the final point of all this is that what this does is you're gonna see the as the more and more attention gets put towards Howard less and less gets attention will be put towards these other schools which means slightly less money maybe more um, more dollars come the way of historically black colleges and it shifts the business of the NCAA. And you're going to see, you know, boosters of these schools that are normally used to seeing high level talent kind of wondering, left wondering, well, where's all this other talent coming from? Maybe you get alumni or other boosters to start funding and donating to historically black colleges, then you're going to see their campuses and Gain them gain prominence and steam and it becomes this sort of domino effect um, and I, I should stand corrected McCurr is not Thon's brother but they're cousins um, I don't know why I always thought that they were brothers um, anyway it's an incredible move and puts more pressure on the NCAA to have to revisit their structure I mean, a lot of these things are happening. The talent's being more spread out. They're missing out on 
key talent going to these big schools, which they're used to, which funds, you know. And by the way, a, a prospect goes to Kentucky, it, it benefits the entire SEC. You know, if if, uh, if Maker went to Kentucky, then a school like Tennessee can always pitch to their prospect, hey, man, you have a chance to go against top talent. You, get, you have a chance to showcase your skills against top talent. Now, if these same guys are going to historically black colleges, the all the other colleges can say, hey, we play Howard two times a year. You want to take down the best? Here's a chance. We're giving you the keys. And this is going to be huge. So I, I applaud McCurr. I am hopeful that the NCAA starts being real with themselves and starts being honest with the general public because we all know what's going on. Um, and we all hope that they make the right decision. Do I have faith that they will? Not particularly. Um, but that's all you can do really at this point is just hope for the best. And who knows if more five-star athletes, five-star prospects go to historically black colleges and many more three to four star athletes starts being recruited in their spots you may have to reconsider how prospects are evaluated are we doing the right jobs who knows the whole landscape of college basketball from recruiting all the way to the business of it all may flip on its head in the next three to five years and i am one person that's rooting for it so that's pretty much it. Just a short episode today. Um, as always, if you want to reach out to us, we're available at believe.com and at believe sports. You can reach out to me on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram at N-A-S-G-N-A-K. And if you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact us at believe.com. That's it. I hope everybody's enjoying their holiday weekend. Um, got some hopefully everybody got some extra time off a chance to just relax and gear up for hopefully what's um what'll be just a little bit more time before things go back to normal um here's to my fingers are crossed i'm knocking on wood i'm throwing salt behind one of my shoulders i'm just doing everything i can because this thing is, as I'm sure is for a lot of people, driving me crazy. All right, everybody. Well, take care. And until next time, go ASIC. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.